Public Radio Network on 105.3 FM in New Orleans. This show's entrance has been edited, produced, and directed by Gwen Clapper from Perfect Trust Productions, LLC. You can find us at perfecttrustproductions.com. Welcome to Monday Night Segment of Host Like Conference Radio with myself, Julia Siracusa, and Phil Siracusa. We're broadcasting live from the International Public Radio and the United Paranormal Radio Network on 105.3 FM from New Orleans. This evening's show is fully sponsored by Carnation, so we want to thank them for this sponsorship. You'll have to do a few things in order to participate. Go over to the YouTube channel, UFO Paranormal Radio, or International Public Radio. You can also go into all of the Facebook stations, UFO Paranormal Radio Network, UFO Undercover with Joe Montaldo, News on the Flip Side, Twitch, SoundCloud, Palm Beam. Go over to our group, Bush Light Chronicles Radio, and get in if you haven't. Okay, so tonight, guys, we have an amazing guest. Okay, so... Please welcome to the show the team from My Paranormal Experience. Nathan Withers is a self-taught filmmaker, host, and producer. Beth Huffman, co-host, executive producer, researcher, and paranormal investigator. Scotty Dabbs, um, executive producer, tech manager, investigator. And Kara Kidd, executive producer, camera operator, researcher, and investigator. And you can watch My Parallel Experience on PowerFlix. So welcome, guys, to the show. And hopefully our other two girls will be joining us soon. If they come, we'll just pop them right in. Sounds good. So, guys, tell us about yourselves. How how did you both get into the paranormal? I mean, one, one at a time. Who wants to go first? I'll let Scotty go first. <laughs> it's always me. Go first. We have the we have the same story, and I've told it like a million times, but I'll tell it again because it's a fun story. Yeah. Um, what really started mine and Nathan's uh, paranormal journey, and I mean it's because we we hung out, you know, well before any of the paranormal stuff even became part of our life. We used to get together as teenagers and we would um skateboard and just you know just do dumb teenager things uh, but there was uh one night uh me nathan and the group of friends that we were with we had really gotten into the amy show ghost hunters kind of with taps when they really kind of brought the paranormal field into television we really got into that show and one of our buddies you know, it was it was pretty late at night. We were looking for something to do. We were all bored as crap. And one of our buddies was like, hey, my house is haunted. Why don't we go try to investigate it? And they were like, no, it's not. You know, he's kind of known as a jokester of, of our little group. He was the prankster. He was the kidder, whatever. 
So we all kind of didn't believe him at first. We were like, whatever, man. No, it's not. And it took him some convincing to do. Eventually, he convinced us to go to his house. We go over to his house, and we're kind of sitting there. We all walk into the master bedroom, and his house was completely empty. Both of his family members that lived with him, they were in a completely separate town about 15 minutes away um, doing their own things. So the house was completely empty. We all, the five of us, all go in there. We sit down in the master bedroom on the bed, and we're sitting there, and we're asking, you know, generic questions when you're you're investigating, and especially as five teenagers who've never done it before, just, uh, is there anyone here with us? Can you hear us? Can you see, you know, just the humdrum yeah. basic questions. And uh, after a while, we did the whole knock once yes twice for no and we started to get some sort of intelligent responses but we're all still kind of iffy because what if it's one of them reaching under the mattress and just happened on the bottom of the uh the box spring you know was, we had the lights out so it's pitch black we couldn't see anything and um so we're sitting there and i remember at one point after about maybe 25 minutes of us running through some basic questions one of us asked how many spirits are in this room and we got a knock, not necessarily like immediately after he asked that question. It was maybe a few, a few minutes later, but we got one knock and then a few minutes later, another knock. And those just kept increasing in speed and got so fast that it almost kind of sounded like a machine gun firing, you know? Mm-hmm. And then uh, the same one who asked that question had yelled stop and everything stopped hmm. so we're sitting there and we're like okay that's pretty creepy you know the fear level going and nathan's sitting on the uh, other end of the bed because when you walked into that room there was two dressers one was over here one was over here and one of them was a tall one the other was a regular one and then the mattress was kind of right in the center of the room we're sitting there we're still in the dark we're all kind of quiet And then we hear Nathan go, did someone just throw something at me? And everyone was like, oh, no, no, of course we didn't. Like, we can't see anything to grab anything. Why would we throw anything at you? So he gets up and he turns on the light. And that tall dresser that I just talked about, sitting on top of it was a cowboy hat that had apparently been thrown off. And it hit Nathan in the side of his leg as it fell to the floor. And that really freaks us all out. All five of us, you know, intense poltergeist activity just right off the bat. And that really freaks us out, you know. So we're all kind of trying to scramble to leave the room. And I myself was like, you know, what if that was just our buddy who actually threw that and he just didn't want to own up to it because he wants to scare us. Yeah. So before we leave the room, I tell the spirits in the house, I was like, hey, I don't know if that was you if that was our friend that threw that hat but we're going to leave for about 10 minutes and we're going to come back when we come back i want to see the cowboy hat sitting back on the dresser where you threw it from it's disrespectful to leave stuff lying around so we leave we get into our buddy's car we drive around the little town that we were in for about 10 15 minutes and we head back over to the house and we get up uh we all walk in together. We walk into that room, and sure enough, that cowboy hat is sitting back on top of the dresser where it came from. 
before it got thrown off. And again, nobody's at, at the house. And that's kind of when we really all got really scared. You know, at that point, because you were like, there's no one here. How the how the F did this get back up here with no one in the house? So we were all like, no, we're done. We're done. We go to get out of the house. And for me personally, this is something that I experienced personally that the rest of the group didn't get to experience. We're leaving. And as we're walking down the hallway to get to the front door, it's kind of a long hallway. They've got all their family photos on it. And I remember seeing out of the corner of my eye something black dart through the reflection in the uh, picture frame. So I was like, what the what the hell was that? So I turn around to see what that was. And as I turn around up his staircase, I saw a seven foot tall black mass with red beaming eyes just staring down at me from the top of the staircase. And like, I'm just overran with emotions. I started to cry. And, I, you know, and I just run out, dead sprint out of the house. And then for the next three months, I had what I feel like is a, a minor attachment. Um, I wasn't able to, to sleep at night without having nightmares. So I just got maybe an hour or two of sleep. And that didn't go away until I had my mom go up to our local Catholic church and get me a blessed rosary. So that's what really started me and Nathan into the paranormal field and then Nathan pretty much right after that happened, he went full force with the paranormal. And I spent maybe three or four years just trying to get away from it. Cause I didn't want to believe that something that powerful was with me, you know, but it yeah. just, it eventually got to the point where I was like, I have to, I have to get into this. I have to find that entity and I have to face it. That's how it works, right? It's like it yeah. it makes it makes you think like you might be a little bit crazy because it did that with us, and then you start really understanding and doing the research. And did you face it at any point in time? Uh, I haven't. I haven't really felt like I've came in contact with that same entity quite yet. We're doing something without giving too much away in that same town, so. There, there's a good chance, you know, if, if it's still lingering, I might be able to run back into them and and let them know, like, hey, man, you don't you don't have the same power you used to have over me when I was a, a child. Very interesting. That's fascinating. Kind of reminds me of the Conjuring movie, remember? Yeah. But you had to face the nun. Yeah. Um, yeah. That's yeah. so interesting. And in a lot of cases, they want to face the demon. They want the name of the demon. And so they're not going to give it to you. No, of yeah. course no. If a, if a demonic spirit gives you their name, then that means they you that they no longer have power. You yeah. now have control of their power. And so a, de a demonic force yeah. or devil or whatever it is, yeah, you know, they're they're going to give other names that's not theirs. Yeah, that's true. So, you know, from paranormal investigating, is there any technique you think that can trick? The demon, for example, to get a name, a real name, like any kind of thing you can add? Really, really, I mean, I, I feel like provocation would be like your your best approach for a really quick response. But I'm not one to go out and, and provoke them yeah. because you never really know how powerful of a spirit you're going to be dealing with. 
Yep. And I mean, if you piss it off, oh yeah, yeah, you piss it off. So I yeah. try not to, but yeah, you know, you know but I'm I sure. Really... Good. Uh, I'm sure you know a, a spirit that powerful is intelligent enough to remember who who me and Nathan are. So oh, I most think, sure. I think if if it if it finds us again, it's going to let us know that hey. We've crossed paths before. Yeah. You know, um, uh, I've had that encounter with demons and what they can do and what they have done. Let's say you're going shopping for just an example, right? And you get in, into an altercation with somebody that you don't even know, an argument. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, and you're like, well, how did this even transpire? Right? Yeah. How did nothing becomes something and i noticed that they can do that they can manipulate yeah. other people to go against you in the physical realm yes. to cause fights arguments yeah. and then stir things up that's what they do they jump into people and it sounds bizarre it and does, ridiculous but, but i've no, seen it right, like yeah pathetic yeah. they are yeah you know it's how pathetic de demonic forces are like they have to have you know that that opening that weakness and somebody yes see that they want to jump in and take take advantage because they have to, because they have to go somewhere yes or to live they have to go somewhere so well, they're, no, they're basically a parasite yeah, yeah. they're a virus yeah. they spread yeah they they spread everywhere and and that, that's like a good that brings me to a question so where do you think they like when exorcisms are done where do you think this entity goes where does it go when it leaves someone it, honestly like, i've my working theory is that it just it just travels our plan of existence until it finds its no. next victim and then it'll attach itself to that uh piece of item or, or house mm -hmm. or whatever until it gets its opening to get into the the living soul to try to take that over. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, so, to be honest, I don't have enough knowledge to really answer that question. Yeah. You. Yeah. Because, you know, some demonologists, they may have a whole nother response. No, you're right. So yeah. I don't know. That, that's a good question, though. Like, that's a very good question to ask. I always, I always ask that question because I don't even know. I mean, like yeah. I said, we've dealt with this before, and I'm like, well, where does it go? Yeah. Uh, some people believe it lays dormant up until mm -hmm. it's ready again because there's no time on that side. Yeah. And my, well, my belief is that they jump ship sometimes into a person or a thing, like you said, right? Look at the Annabelle doll. Um, it's deadly in one sort of sense that if you give it the power of intent and belief, yeah. these things can do something. And from my experience, I've seen these things go into people. Um, you know, it's just one of those things that they roam. It's, it's just, it's crazy. And they can destroy. They can destroy. As much as we don't yeah. want to believe, well, we're in the physical realm. They can't touch us. Well, look, they're not going to put boxing gloves on, but they know how to do mind manipulation towards us and control us to either want to take our own lives, down yeah. the wrong point, drugs, alcohol, abuse get into altercations with people, car accidents, heart attacks, things that we may think are coincidence, yeah. only that we've learned throughout the years, 
that after like certain paranormal investigations, when they were being provoked by certain people that shouldn't have done it, yeah, they were attacked. And and, and um on the entities watch, not our watch. It could be a yeah. month, it could be a year. And mm-hmm. and you know, in the paranormal field, I always say trend lightly because you don't know what you're dealing with. You don't know. Um and there are cases where these things go home with people. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, has have you any one of you had an attachment throughout the years? Other than, you go ahead, Nathan. Um, there's been a couple. There's been one time where we went on an investigation, and uh, there was a piece of footage that was captured, and it's the most. It's probably the most mind-boggling thing that I've ever seen. Uh, but a hallway floor literally like levitates on camera. It is the. It is the most disturbing compelling thing I've, I've ever seen in my entire life but um what after that happened i came home and not really attachment but i feel like something followed me home for a few days but after you know i kind of said hey like you're no longer allowed in my house anymore you can't torment my wife you can't you can't do anything like you have to leave you know and after a while you know it left like, cause you, you have to put your foot down and let, you know, let it know like, Hey, you're not welcome here. You need to leave. And it, it left. So, I mean, as far as like an attachment, no, but something followed me home. I've had it happen once or twice, Okay. but that's about it. <clears throat> well, let's talk about PowerFlex. How did, how now I had the four of you get together as a team and, and, and create my paranormal experience and you guys do an amazing job. So how did this all come about? Well, my, my first question, have y'all, have y'all watched the series? Have y'all watched the documentary? I've watched some of it. Yes. Okay. And, yes. Um, so I have to start from the very beginning of how the, the team got formed. Um, a couple of years ago, I had this the big time desire to like, to have a storytelling series but I had it in a way that I don't, in my own opinion, I've never seen it done before. You know, I've, I've watched a lot of TV shows and uh, there's pretty girl right there. (laughs) Me and Nathan are in a podcast. This is Cambria. Hi Nathan. How are you doing? It's my kiddo. But um, I started really having this burning passion to make a TV show. But we were at the time we were a part of another crew, yes. and I kept putting my, my, my idea aside because, like, you know what? I'm gonna put the team first and just you know come back to my idea later on. And it just never happened, you know. And I pitched it a couple of times, and then it wasn't really in their interest, which was you know it was fine. Mm-hmm. But then um, it it was one of those types of feelings in my heart and in my in my gut. Where it was like, if you don't do this, you're going to regret it for the rest of your life. And so my wife told me, she's like, you need to make this, but make it yours. Make it your own. But you need to feature not just the team you're with, but everyone who has an experience. So what I had decided to do was, you know, before I could put anyone else out there, I need to put myself on the line. Like, you know, give something personal of myself and to see what the feedback would be. So what I decided to do is right in this room here, you know, all my camera gears right here because I just, I leave it here, but I literally turned the camera on 
and I just started talking. I started talking about a very personal story about, about my grandmother. And I had no like B-roll storytelling footage. It was all like theater of the mind, um, sound effects in the background to kind of help give you that visual to activate the imagination. And it, it and it was like a sample video, and I mean like ten minutes of a video. It wasn't nothing crazy at all. And I decided to go ahead and post it on Facebook, and I was very nervous because I was like, "Ah, people are gonna like this. They're gonna think it's stupid." But the the response that I got was very, very impactful. You know, people were like, this is real. Like, this is what the paranormal field needs. They go, you know, a lot of the shows you see nowadays are, are they're, they seem very scripted. And I'm not bashing anyone. I'm just, you know, that's what the response was. And they go, you know, this here is honest storytelling. It's honest, you know, yeah, it's raw in the moment, real feeling, real emotion, and you don't see that very much anymore. Yeah. And so I went back and reviewed my footage as I was editing it, and I noticed that when I sat down, I just said, my name is Nathan Withers, and this is my paranormal experience. That's where the name came from. Mm-hmm. And I was like, that's that's the name of the show. Like That's what this is going to be called. Because it's not just mine, it's anyone's. Like anyone who gets on the show, it's my paranormal experience. So um, it was about that time whenever uh, Beth had called me up and she goes, hey, I want in. And I think it was not even like two weeks later, Scotty goes, "Uh, I want in. So after that, you know, I said, "Hey, if you're if y'all are gonna if y'all are gonna be a part of this, because it honestly started off as just me. Like I went did the first couple of interviews myself, you know, whatever. But um, I said, well, if you guys are gonna be a part of my production, like I really want you guys to, to not just be here, but y'all need to learn uh, the cameras, the art of film. Y'all need to learn what it takes to make a documentary, what it makes what it takes to film an interview or whatever we're doing." And so, um, you know, Scotty, he's learned a lot of the basics. Um, he's actually really picked up more than the basics, which is, is very impressive. Um, you know, Beth is still learning as she goes on. Um, Kara, she came a part of us whenever the gateway between worlds documentary was being filmed matter of fact that was the first time me and care ever met was the second shooting of that documentary yep. and i have wanted Kara to be you know eventually be our lead camera operator and i said hey here's the camera i want you to learn it she just picked it up brought her shoulders started going with it i was like well, you know, that's what i need like that's what i need on the show i need someone who's just going to pick it up and go with it yeah, you know, um, there's so much work that has to be done behind the scenes that yeah. people really don't understand. Like, it's it's a lot of work. It is, you know. But um, we, we went and did, I don't know how many weeks of investigation for the Gateway film. We we shot for a good three and a half months of that, of that, of that film. Going back, because, like, every part of that story – there was not one time we would go back to the location and something more intelligent would happen. And the story with the gateway between worlds 
those who haven't seen it, I'm not going to give everything away. But what I will tell you is the woman we interviewed basically told me that there's a gate that is a, is a portal between heaven and earth. And there's energy that's there. And when you go approach it, you'll experience it. And uh, she looked me straight in the eyes. I know you're going to go to that gate, but I'm, I give you my word. The moment you approach it, you're going to, you're going to get a response. It's going to greet you. And I was like, okay. So the next day I go to that gate. And I mean, I literally, I was so skeptical. I was like, man, I'm going to go here and nothing's going to happen. I went with a camera like no tripod, like one microphone in a spirit box. Like it was so basic. And I put the camera on the curb, hit record, and the minute I walked up to it, you know, I got a intelligent response. And it wasn't until after I started asking very specific questions that only, you know, certain people would know. Mm-hmm. I was getting direct responses to those questions like back to back to back to back. And when I finally showed my crew, I said, Hey, I was like, you know, I think we need to go pursue this more. And I, I was showing the crew the evidence and, you know, at, finally they're like, yeah, I think you're on, like, I think you're on to something. Like, I think we're, I think we need to go, you know, and explore this more and see what this is about. So, you know, that was about the time that the, the entire crew finally got involved with the filming of it. And uh, it's I, I can't really go into it because I, I don't want to run the I don't want to run the film for everybody. Okay, but it's definitely a groundbreaking story, and the evidence is phenomenal. Um, there is a bonus feature to that documentary called The Gatekeeper, which the Gatekeeper mm-hmm. place. Like, you've seen that one? Some yeah. Of it, yeah. Yeah. So the, the Gatekeeper was probably the most terrifying part of that story for and, sure uh, <laughs> it's kind of like for sure um who gets who not to interrupt but who gets the most like out of the four of you who uh, gets more freaked out the most more freaked out the most <laughs> yeah i don't know honestly kara kara is very uh exuberant would yeah. be the word for it. Like she wears her emotions on her sleeves, so you'll know when something happens because she'll get really, really excited. excited. But I wouldn't, I wouldn't consider her freaking out. It's just her, like, oh my god, this happened. You know. As far as like most freaked out, like I don't want to point the finger at Scotty, but you know, whenever Scotty first started the crew, like I'm still a newbie. Sort yeah, he's still of. a newbie, but like he's he's learning to control that fear, and he's learning like you know to, to try to like level that out because yeah. I mean no, but it is scary. I mean it is you know, like if you're not scared, I'm scared. Not it's, it's normal. It's normal yeah. reaction to like it's scary. Oh yeah, I uh, get scared a lot until he tell he yells at me. He's just like <laughs> get scared. It's, not, it's scary. Sometimes right. no, you don't know what you're walking Listen, into. Listen, we're all human, so exactly. Yeah. You don't know. What you're you don't into. know, and the last thing you want to see is something that would probably give you a heart attack, right? Something that's well. If y'all haven't watched the Gateway documentary, like I highly advise y'all watch the full story, like the the, the Gateway film and the Gatekeeper full story. 
because that will break down exactly how everything went down and it will show you like how the gateway film sequels into um or not sequels it basically breaks into this bonus feature and the bonus feature happens so suddenly like we there was really like maybe a week of planning it because um after the the gateway film aired we started getting people excuse me from like all over the country locally and just all over the place like hey this is a good this is a good documentary it was more interesting than things I've seen in you know in a good while. I would like y'all. I would like to see something like a part two or a sequel filmed of this because this is really cool. And so we had honestly no plans of going back because we had we had gone back so much. Uh, it was like we were, we were wearing out the location. Like okay, we need to like move on. But um, I was like, let's let's make a bonus feature. And let's just like approach it as raw and in the moment as we possibly can, you know, and me and Scotty kind of collaborated on how we should approach it. Um, I added a couple of different, you know, new B-roll cinematic shots to kind of give it a different, you know, different tone to it. But for the most part, from start to finish, it is completely raw. And everything we did was like, as real and as in real time as you can get. So I think that's really what helped make, made that as successful as it was, but it, it, it was, it was an awesome journey, but um, the gateway documentary, after you watch it, um, that actually sequels into the, my paranormal experience series. Okay. Because we have the experience begins, and that starts off where the gateway film left off, like where it ended. Cool. So um, that's a really it, it was really cool. And the thing was, the gateway film was actually supposed to be, be a part of the series, but you know, after we collected all our evidence, we looked over everything. I was like, man, this needs to be by itself. Like this is yeah. it's special. Like you know, there's yeah, nothing like it out there. Mm-hmm. So. That's yeah. kind of how everything went down with that. <laughs> Let's talk about paranormal equipment. Gonna, what do you yeah. think is the most compelling uh, piece of equipment? A recorder, a picture, SLS, spirit box. That's a sign of communication that you can say this is real. You know, uh, I'm really partial to the SLS just because I every paranormal investigator's dream is to capture that apparition and apparitions are so hard to capture via video or photograph so the sls being able to map in figures that you can't see that to me is is really compelling but it's also one of our least used pieces of gear we normally just go in with our energies and a spirit box and just kind of let the locations tell us their stories and direct us how to do our investigation well said well said i like the sls i really really like yeah. it. a lot of people have a lot of bad things to say you about gotta be it. careful like but I, I would say put it on like a tripod and don't be in the room because you don't know like if you make a movement sometimes yeah. this thing it just picks something up and, it, and you and uh you think it's something else and yeah. it's not but we we've seen some evidence like, of yeah. the sls that 
we couldn't debunk. So yeah. um, it's very interesting. It, it really so you said that the students or whoever's in the location, what kind of information do they give you? Well, generally, it's like, generally we get, you know, maybe names. And then we'll, we'll, we'll run with those names and Beth and Kara will research them and you know, it's kind of a 50-50. Sometimes they come back with something that's relevant, and sometimes they're like, we don't know who the hell that is. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of that, a lot of it's just kind of, we, we just go off names, and Kara, I'm going to shout her out. She's incredible with research. I mean, we brought her on for, for the gateway, and then, I mean, within a week of her filming for the first time, she came back, and she was like, well, this building used to be this and these people used to own it. And there was this that happened just two blocks down from there. And we're like, yeah. holy shit, where's, where did you like, find this, this at? All this insane history that she dug up. I was like, I never even knew this even, it was even a thing. Like I didn't know this even existed. Like, where did you find this stuff? You know? And you know, uh, what, what was even more groundbreaking and what added, character but also added a legitimacy and validation to the storyline itself was we actually covered in the gateway documentary you know like a, a small portion of what she had you know had dug up but when we did the gatekeeper we actually went to the very location that she had um, researched and our evidence like connected like direct responses connected to the history that she had, had found. That was like, to me, it was my, like you'll see in the film, like me and Karen get all excited about, oh my God, you know, we get all excited about it. But it was just from start to finish, there was nothing but it was evidence filled suspense and history. It was just, it was unreal. Wow. But, so some of these, let me ask you something. Some of these locations that you do, do you think, from yourself and, and your teammates that these are people that die there either tragically or natural causes, or do you think you're talking to something else or you don't know? I think it's a mixture of all of it. Honestly, it's, it's hard to pinpoint. I feel like some of the intelligent responses we get, it can be, you know, those who had a tragic accident that are just trying to legitimately tell us their story and um, I feel like when we experience like the darker side of it, like we did with the gatekeeper, that might be something different that was that's there. But, you know, I think they're just a mixture of all things. But for sure, like the stuff we've collected over the spirit box um, has been 100 percent intelligent. I mean, that's just my personal. Like, I'm sure we've captured some residual stuff, but about 85% of our captures on spirit box has been 100% intelligent responses and direct. I've never seen the spirit box work like it has last, last year. You know what I mean? Why do you think that um, certain locations hold so much energy from those that have crossed over, you know, and then other locations may, you may get nothing, right? Yeah, I mean, I think that kind of works both ways. I mean, it's hard to explain that. You know, like the the gateway film, like I have to keep I have to use that as a reference because it, because that's 
the only way I know how to, you know, we went into a lot of different theories, you know, um, tragedy when you have murder or whatever the case is, you know, like a, like a psychiatric hospital had, you know, patients and people who were mentally ill and had horrible, horrible things wrong with them. They died tragically or procedures done. And then that left, you know, that, that negative energy behind, you know, those people, they didn't pass on yeah. or there's a possibility that it didn't pass on, you know? So I feel like, you know, depending on the event that takes place, that energy lingers, it stays, you know, and there are some people where they just simply want to tell their story to be, you know, to feel like they've, Hey, like I'm, I'm gone, but I don't want to be forgotten. Yep. So this is what I want to tell you, give this person or um, I'm here. And this is what I want to tell you about this location. And then that, that's kind of how I go off of it anyway. You've been through that. You know, it's interesting um, doing interviews for so many years, some paranormal investigators came up with the conclusion because a lot of us believe in reincarnation. And one of the conclusions is you're talking to something that's active, not residual energy, a person that crossed over. And then we say, well, if they crossed over and you're talking to somebody who died 100 years ago, why weren't they reincarnated? But a good theory came about, and the theory was that because there's no time on that side, who's to say what, what dimension of time we're talking to? Which kind of means is that because we made up time, um, it's like a replay, for example. It could have been done already in a sense where yeah. some people call it the matrix. Um, this right, was yeah. already done. So you're, you're talking to something or someone and it is, it's active, it's, it's, uh, it's not residual, but yet they have still crossed on. And that's mind blowing, but it's also a theory that, you know, there's reincarnation. We do, a lot of us do believe in that. And we say, well, why would a spirit be stuck in the same location just because the paranormal team says it's Mrs. Yeah. Jones? Or is it really Mrs. Jones? And we're just trying to identify the time is now, but time does not exist. Yeah. Period. So the now, where we say it is now, but the truth is we're making it what it isn't. Your thoughts? Yeah. I mean, it's definitely a plausible theory. It's a, it's a good one. Um, kind of, I, I could see it being plausible because my approach to a lot of, of investigating is, you know, you'll have investigators asking what year is it? What year are we in right now? And it's like, how do you expect a spirit to know that when they, you know, passed over in 1956? They're not going to know it's 2022. They don't, when they pass over, they have no collection of what's happening in our world. They're in their world. Yes. And whether or not they have time or don't have time, you know, who's to say? We don't know. Yes. So, I'll go in and ask what was the last year you remember versus the question of what year is it now? So I think that's a pretty, that's pretty legit answer. theory. Yeah. I, yeah, think, I, I, I really like that idea. It's very interesting. Yeah. 
some of these places, right? You ever go to a place and it was rebuilt and there's no staircase, yeah. but yet you could hear a spirit going up the staircase yeah. and the staircase existed a hundred years ago. Uh, but when it was rebuilt, there was no staircase. I gave me chills thinking about that. I gave me some chills. And you're like, well, how is that possible? And then we came up with conclusions and theories that they're still in that in that time yeah. somehow. Right. But yet, but yet they're they're reincarnated. And that's yeah. the mind blower because we've talked to people on this show who have books out and you know high credibility as well that say, look. I remember 29 past lives, for example, mm -hmm. and they know where they're buried yeah. at some of these past mm -hmm. lives, but yet they believe that people are investigating them at one of the locations. So it, it, there's so much in, in, in the paranormal scope is that big question mark, but it kind of makes sense because when yeah. you have a staircase and you have something going down it or up it, but staircase yeah. does not exist and it, it did exist a hundred years ago. It's kind of like See, they don't know that, the year they cross. There is what you call residual haunting. It's it's on a loop, repeating its cycle. What they would do on their daily basis, they'd walk up a staircase, go to the room, whatever they were doing. That to me is what a residual haunting would be. But like you said, if it existed a hundred years ago, back in their time, that's what they were doing: walking up a staircase. But you're hearing that past replaying itself. Does it make sense? Yeah. It makes sense. The only problem it makes sense, but the only problem we had with that is that they're the now. They're active and intelligent according to the responsive questions that are asked. And that's where the confusion comes in. Because if we say, Can you see us? Yes. What are we doing? You're sitting down looking at a book. Can you hear us? Yes. So that's where the confusion comes in, you know. And then there's another theory that the theory is that yeah, it's it's a mimic, yeah. it's an imitation. Yeah. It's Absolutely, see we, we, where you're going with that. Yeah, yeah, I can see both sides. I can see like where the residual would happen, but I can also see where it would be like, okay, well, if they if they were there a hundred years ago, how are they able to hear us now, present day? and still communicate and walk at this like like what is going how is that possible yes and but that's what makes the paranormal so amazing and oh, so yeah. interesting yes because mm -hmm. it gives us something to continuously study on yeah. that we're probably never going to get the answer to but it allows us to you know activate the brain the, the imagination you leave more questions exactly yeah so i i love that's awesome like, yeah. start putting that in our investigations. Like, that's a good theory. I like that. I think it's amazing, fascinating. And the exciting part about this whole thing is that we go on. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's not like you just put under and it's over. No. We know as investigators, we go on, period. We have right. enough solid compounded evidence to know that, you know, we do go on. Uh, one of the things, too, you know, is the Ouija board. Oh, we don't um, have enough time for that. No, no. But what I'm trying to say is that. People have done mm -hmm. the Ouija board in, in different locations. Yeah. And we ask certain questions, and they know a lot of the answers to the person that crossed over in that location. But then there's trickery involved. And yeah. the trickery questions, they try to answer, but they fail to get the right answer. And then we say, well, is it a mimic then? Is it an imitation? Something like mm -hmm. something that's trying to be, what is it? Um, 
you know, it, it's, it's, um, it's, 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 it blows your mind. I mean, you talk about oh, that yeah. dark shadow with the red eyes in the beginning of the show. Um, we also talk about shadow people as being, I don't know, intelligent and mm -hmm. sometimes malevolent at the same time. What's your thoughts on shadow people? Um, a good take for me really is, uh, you know, science tells us that energy's neither created nor destroyed. Mm. So it, it's somewhere. And we are energy, you know. Um, so when we pass on, where does our energy go? As far as like that whole thing goes. Um, some people, I believe, that had those really negative lives, you know, whether it was like drug addiction, alcohol addiction, or just in, in, in situations where they were abused or were abusers themselves or, you know, just really did awful things in their life, maybe when they pass, that energy yeah. that they release after their brain decides yeah. that it's like, I'm, I'm taking my last synapse, you know, I'm firing my last charge off, the energy goes out into the world, are those the negative entities that we come into? And they cross over, and since they're intelligent, maybe they realize that now they're just this pure embodiment of negativity, and they have this power. So is that why we come across shadow people or uh, black masses with red beaming eyes or entities that will cause harm to you by scratching you or whatever? Yeah. And then there's also those ones that are just kind of floating through the frequencies of the airwaves and maybe sometimes when we're asking a question through a spirit box maybe that is just a spirit that's coming by that's going hey and then just keeps going at its path true that's true too I, i've encountered that as well good point um unfortunately we at we are at the end of the show yeah. so tell people both of these are incredible a lot of knowledge we and everyone out there you have to watch them I on Paraflex. Yeah. Tell people where they can find you and all that good stuff. Okay. Um, well, my paranormal experience, uh, the documentary in the series can be found on Paraflex Paranormal Plus. It is a streaming service. You can find it on Fire TV, Roku, Apple TV, um, the App Store. You can go on the actual website and Google Play. Um it's actually a very affordable streaming service, probably one of the most affordable there is out there right now. But um, that's, you know, we have a Facebook page, My Paranormal Experience on Facebook. Uh, we have a, a, uh, an Instagram account. You can follow us on TikTok, um, which let me kind of break down the TikTok real quick because we all have our own individual. I'm kind of like the, like my account's kind of like where most of our videos go on TikTok. You can follow me on at Nathan Withers 2290, I think. Yeah. Okay. And I'm on TikTok. And um, we also now have a Twitter account. And it's it's just MPE series. And you'll and yeah, that's where we're at there. Other than that, I mean that's that's about it. We're just you know, we're very thankful for every person who's viewed our our, our series and every fan we've ever got you know we're we're we're, so, we're we're very appreciative for everything we've ever been given and um 
the support we've gotten. So. Awesome. Well, keep up the great work, both Thank of you. you. Thank you so much for coming on Horsefly Chronicles Radio. To the listener out there, share the show. There's a lot of knowledge. And um, we have these two special guests. Julie, wrap it up. Okay, well, special thank you to Carnation for sponsoring the show. We love them. Um, so please join us next Monday night on United Public Radio Network on 105.3 FM from New Orleans. Orleans, we said that wrong. Stay tuned for Trish Mo with the missing piece. Everyone have a safe, thank great night, and we'll see you next week. Thank you, everybody. Thank you. Thank you for having us.